0: Picture this scene with me. In the hall of a great king, I don't know what you picture, banners on the wall, a great throne, lords and ladies, and in this hall, the people seek to catch the king's eye. Some of them are bringing precious gifts. Some show off their great knowledge and their wisdom. Other people bring beautiful works of art. And still others set out to accomplish mighty deeds. But last of all, into this great hall comes a poor farmer. With nothing to offer the king except a plea for help. Which of these people will receive an audience with the king? In truth, if this was a king like us, the poor man would have been turned away at the door. He had nothing to offer. And we might have little place for kings and queens today, but the truth is that we still rank people based on things like how they look, what they do, what talents or what knowledge or what strength do they have. But as we will see in Mark chapter 10 in the kingdom of God the one who comes like a child the one who comes with nothing but empty hands this is the one who is counted worthy to receive favor from God. If you want to enter God's kingdom want to enjoy fellowship with him you must come as one with nothing to receive his everything and we must come not because I am this or I have that but because of his mercy there's no other entrance into the kingdom of God than by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a reminder that we need every day. How are we coming before the great God who is our Maker and our King? Do we come before Him to curry favor with Him? Bring this and that, or do we come as a child to worship Him with all that we are, however little that might be? Turn with me to Mark chapter 10 for the reading of God's Word. Just a few verses this morning, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through sixteen, And in these verses, we not only learn about the <clears throat> way to enter into the kingdom of God, but how we ought to treat those who are lowly, who seem less important. Verse 13 of Mark chapter 10. And they were bringing children to him, to Jesus, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not Enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. So ends our text for today. Next week we shall see an example of one who who comes to Jesus but in the end does not come as a child. It was hard for the rich, young man to come. But this week, we are going to see how it is that God would have us to come before Him. And who it is that should come. The parents come and they're bringing their children to Jesus. They desire that he would touch them and Im- implicit in that is the idea that he would thereby bless these young young ones by laying his hand upon them. These are parents that are seeking a good thing. They're going to the right person. I'm reminded as a parent how good it is to bring our children to Jesus I'm not gonna say that's not hard and it's not always without obstacles because even here the disciples stand in the way but as parents there's no better thing that you can do as uncles and aunts and grandparents there is nothing better that you can do than to bring children to Jesus and That is the very thing that the disciples sadly do not do. They stood in in their way, and Jesus has a rebuke for them. We read in verse 13 they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. They had hard words for these parents. Perhaps what's most striking here is that these men have been taught by Jesus to receive little children in His name. It is not long ago that they had learned this lesson. That Jesus had put a child in their midst when they were arguing about who was greater. And He put a child in their midst and He had Him beside Him in a place of honor. And he told them that the one who receives a child in his name, the one who receives a child in my name, he says, receives me and him who sent me. That's Mark chapter 9, verses 36 and 37. If you're reading through the Gospel of Mark, that's within half a chapter of reading. Just a few paragraphs. Just a day or so, maybe a week at most in time from the way that the text reads. But now, when the disciples have the opportunity to follow Jesus' teaching they instead keep the children away with words of rebuke. And their words clearly show that they have not taken Jesus' teaching to heart, that they have no room. They see no room in the kingdom of God for such small ones because they still do not understand the grace of God they have forgotten that they too were in need of this mercy. They are not all that much more impressive as fishermen and tax collectors and and zealots as a child. In a short time, they've become quite proud. They suppose that their position as disciples gives them the right to say who should come and who should not. For reasons unspoken, they deem children not important enough for Jesus. We could easily excuse that and go, well, but they had just a bad day, you know, (laughs) right? That's what we do sometimes in our lives with children. (laughs) But you don't know what I've got going on, important things, right? That is not the attitude that Jesus has toward these children and towards the disciples. When Jesus saw it, verse 14, he was indignant He was very angry, and I think he raised his voice quite a bit, (laughs) more than me. (laughs) I'm sometimes hesitant, but he was angry with a deep and intense anger, that word, pictures. He was angered at the pride of his disciples. There's another time this word is used. It's used when the Pharisees are angry, when the Pharisees are indignant because the children said, Hosanna to the Son of David. Jesus, the King, is coming to His city, Jerusalem, and the children welcome Him. But the Pharisees are angered. And of course, their anger was directed wrongly, for they are too proud to accept what these mere children proclaimed. They were too proud to accept their king, their Messiah, the one who would deliver them. Jesus' anger, ironically, it was directed towards the arrogance of the disciples who were acting very much like the proud Pharisee. He was angry because they were turning away the very ones who were coming to him for help. Implicitly, they're saying that we are more worthy than them. That underlies their their words and their actions. But our Lord will decide who will inherit his kingdom. Who will enter? Whom will he receive into his kingdom? And this is what he says. He says to them, verse 14... Let the little children, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. There's a very simple reason that Jesus says, let them come, that he says, don't hinder them. It's because to such, Jesus says, belongs the kingdom of heaven. Meaning that the very ones that Jesus gives his kingdom to are those who are like these children, Jesus says this again. He says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. It was very clear. No one will receive entrance into God's kingdom unless they come like a child. This should bring up some important questions in our minds. First of all, what is the kingdom of God? I think there are many times we kind of throw this idea around the kingdom. But we don't pause to understand how important this is that to be in God's kingdom or to be outside of God's kingdom is a matter of life and death the kingdom of God is where the king reigns it is the realm over which he rules and it is where the king's favor is given Those who are the king's servants are taken care of. They are blessed under the king's rule, his subjects. And those that are outside are the king's enemies. They are not under the protection and rule of the king. They are under the wrath of that king. And one day, the scripture speaks of a day that the king will return to reign upon the earth, and those inside of his kingdom will be raised to life incorruptible, while those who are outside will be judged by that good and holy king with an eternal judgment to be forever separated from God. In our pride, we might easily think, surely I am worthy. Look at what I've done. I am a pretty good person. When we look at the next person beside us, neighbor down the street or whoever it might be, and we tell ourselves how much better we are than them. None of that matters. There's only one way to enter into God's kingdom. And it's not by your works. It's not by the family that you're born into. It's not about the things that you have. Jesus says that one must receive the kingdom, that is to accept it as a gift that is given by a good king, to receive the kingdom of God as or like a child. If we're going to understand Jesus' teaching, we must understand the context in which he spoke. Children in the ancient world had no wealth. They had no great deeds. They had no gifts to offer. They were not seen as having great status. They were the children. And the grown-ups were the grown-ups. Children, then and now, are small and they are weak. They cannot take care of themselves. They have nothing great to offer in terms of possession or rank. They have not done a whole lot in their short lives. And I can tell you that uh, they're not perfect little angels either. Some people have the idea, well, it's just children are just so innocent and sweet always. And and how how could they not be accepted? They can be grubby too and selfish. The thing about children is just that. They don't have all these things to lay claim to that we as adults do. We put our worth in all that we have accomplished. child has none of that. To come as a child is to come as somebody who has nothing to offer but themselves. Nothing but their needs, nothing but their dependence upon another. And the hope, this is the amazing thing, the hope that Jesus proclaims is that he who comes like a child, who comes with nothing the world calls great, that we would receive his everything, the kingdom of God, all that is his, belongs to those who trust in him. And it belongs to those who trust in him, who receive and who enter, not because of what they have done. This entry is not based on works done by us in righteousness Paul tells Titus in Titus chapter 3. But because of his mercy, to put it another way, to come like a child, you must come not proclaiming your worthiness, but his worthiness. No one can say, I. Entered the kingdom of God because I, because I'm a churchgoer, or because I have great knowledge, I'm a student of theology, or because I did that for my neighbor, could fill in the blank with a whole rap sheet of accomplishments. but nothing we are, have, know, or do can rescue us from the wrath of God the King. Nothing that you and I are, nothing we have, nothing we know, and nothing that we do can rescue us from the wrath of God the King. The only way, to enter God's kingdom, is because He gave Himself. Because He lived a perfect life and because He suffered and died on a cross in my place for my sins. And because He is the risen Lord. And it is in Him, those that cling to Him and are held in His hands that are given all that He is and has. So there's nothing that you or I could lay claim to that would make us worthy. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, oh, people aren't valuable. I'm not saying that children are are lesser. Simply saying that they don't cling to all the things that we cling to. They don't have a great list of accomplishments on which they place their hope, and which they take pride in. That's the difference. We all look at a child or somebody who we think of hasn't got quite as many accomplishments and we go, okay, they may be all right, but I'm better. And on the basis of that, we make a judgment and say, I'm in now. And that guy, maybe he's barely in. But that other guy, he's definitely not. And that's the way that we make judgments in our life on the basis of the things that we have accomplished. The things that we might take pride in or we feel less than because I haven't done as much as Him. But God desires that we come to Him with empty hands. Seeking for Him to fill us, for Him to satisfy us, for Him to rescue us, to trust Him alone, and to receive God's kingdom, to receive this great gift that we do not deserve. Notice. In verse 16, how this section ends. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. What an encouraging thing to hear. He took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Jesus responds as we, his servants, ought to respond. He opens his arms to embrace those who come with empty hands. And by grace, these children receive his blessing. They receive the embrace of the Messiah and the blessing of his kingdom for no other reason than his grace, than that he should wish to care for them, to show love for them, To bestow a blessing on them. How amazing is that good news that God's favor is given not on the basis of our accomplishments but simply because He delights to be kind and gracious to those that would come to Him. And so Christ invites the small and He invites the big. He invites the strong and the weak alike to come to Him with empty hands and receive His gift. The gift of peace with God and eternal life and blessing with Him in His kingdom. Question for you and I this morning is this Have you come with nothing to receive His everything? Or do you trust still today in something of your own merit, something of your own accomplishment? Do you still say, I am saved because I, because I, I can tell you that I have done that for much of my life. That it was very easy growing up in a Christian home to do that. And so it is very important that whatever background we come from, that we would consider on what basis do I come before God? There's only one basis for peace with God. That is to trust not in myself but to cast myself on His mercy. Have you done that? And praise God because He gives you His everything. Blessings beyond what we experience today. Mercies that are new every morning. I just want to say one more thing. Knowing the mercy of God, brothers and sisters, we have to understand the mercy of God. But as we who say, I am saved not because of what I have done, but because of His His blood. Christ calls us to be those that welcome the weak who welcome the sinner, who don't stop them, who don't shove them off for another time. We're to bring them all to Christ. For so we once were. Remember the mercy of God. For by grace, Paul says, you are saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of (coughs) works, lest anyone should boast. Remember the grace of God. And bring people to him. For he who comes with nothing will receive Christ's everything.